Retropod is sponsored by T. Rowe Price. Are you looking to learn a thing or two about getting your finances in order, saving, and investing? Check out The Confident Wallet, a personal finance podcast series by T. Rowe Price and the Washington Post Brand Studio. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, history lovers. I'm Mike Rosenwald with Retropod, a show about the past rediscovered. There's a new film out about the life of Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg or, as she's been dubbed recently, RBG. Ginsburg, I mean RBG, has become something of a pop culture icon. The new movie, titled On the Basis of Sex, focuses on the early law career of RBG, played by Felicity Jones, and her key role in the women's rights movement. It's a riveting legal thriller in its own right, but the film also serves as a historical canvas on which several forgotten heroes of those times spring back to life. One of them is Dorothy Kenyon, lawyer, activist, rabble-rouser. About halfway through on the basis of sex, the Hollywood version of Ruth Bader Ginsburg takes her daughter Jane to a decrepit office building in downtown New York in the early 1970s. They are there to see Kenyon, played by Kathy Bates. The moment, according to Ginsburg's daughter, is pure fiction, though. The future Supreme Court justice, now 85, never visited Kenyon. Yet, in the narrative arc of the movie, the scene is pivotal, just as Kenyon was a pivotal figure in the arc of Ginsburg's legal career. Why? Well, in the movie, Ginsburg is there to ask Kenyon about Gwendolyn Holt, a woman who Ginsburg spoke of on the first day of her Supreme Court nomination hearing. A woman, Gwendolyn Hoyt, had a philandering husband who had humiliated her to the breaking point regularly. I mean, we didn't have names like battered women in those days, but she did not have a happy marriage. One day, in rage, at the humiliation to which she was exposed. She turned to the corner of the room and spied her young son's baseball bat. It was a broken baseball bat. She took it and brought it down on the head of her husband, ending the fight, ending the husband, starting the prosecution for murder. This occurred back in the late 1950s in Florida, where only men were lawfully bound to serve on juries. If women wanted to serve, they had to volunteer. So very few women were in the jury pool. Hoyt and her lawyers argued that this was unconstitutional because she was not judged by a jury of her peers. One of her lawyers was Dorothy Kenyon. Kenyon was born in New York during the winter of 1888. Her father was a patent attorney, a progressive one too. She asked him once, according to her obituary in the New York Times, can girls be lawyers, father? And he answered, smiling, why not, my dear? Kenyon graduated from Smith College. In 1917, she earned a law degree from New York University, one of just a handful of U.S. law schools enlightened enough to enroll women. Kenyon emerged from there as a crusading human rights attorney and an endearing gadfly. Among her many titles and honors, Kenyon was the first delegate of the United Nations Commission on the Status of Women. 
Kenyon was also a fearsome verbal brawler. When Senator Joseph McCarthy labeled Kenyon a communist, this was her response. He's a low-down worm, and although it ought to be beneath my dignity to answer him, I'm mad enough to say that he's a liar and he can go to hell. As one of the first board members of the American Civil Liberties Union, Kenyon wrote important legal briefs on behalf of clients, including Gwendolyn Hoyt. Hoyt's case made it all the way to the Supreme Court, which ruled unanimously against her. Women are the center of the home, the court said, so it was naturally reasonable for them to be relieved from civic duty. But Kenyon's loss in the case, as the movie and history makes clear, informed the intellectual and emotional underpinnings of future legal arguments, including landmark gender equity cases Ginsburg argued in briefs to the Supreme Court. One of Ginsburg's crucial cases was Reed v. Reed, in which the court unanimously struck down an Idaho law stipulating that males must be preferred to females in administering estates. It was 1971. Kenyon was then in her early 80s and dying from cancer. And when Ginsburg took up the case for the ACLU, she honored Kenyon's legacy, listing her and another civil rights hero, Polly Murray, as co-authors on the brief she submitted to the court. Though Kenyon was early in the struggle, Ginsburg later said that she, like so many others, kept the idea and the hope alive. I'm Mike Rosenwald. Thanks for listening. For more forgotten stories from history, visit WashingtonPost.com slash Retropod. This winter, join the Washington Post in its fight against hunger, homelessness, and poverty with a contribution to Post Helping Hand. To learn more and donate, visit posthelpinghand.com. There's always more to the story. I'm Leanne Caldwell, anchor of Washington Post Live. Each week, we bring you inside conversations between the newsroom and the people we cover. From global leaders enacting change to cutting-edge artists redefining our culture. And we make you and your questions part of every conversation. Listen to Washington Post Live wherever you get your podcasts and watch on demand at WashingtonPostLive.com.